Welcome, Wildcat fans, to the Daily Wildcat Football Podcast, brought to you by the Sports Desk at the Daily Wildcat. This weekly show will recap and analyze each week's UA football games and open a discussion throughout the week. I'm Ryan Wall, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Wildcat and your host for this podcast. Each week, we will discuss the highs and lows of that week's games, star players, and things happening around the sports world. Today, I will be joined by sports reporter Patrick Carr. This week, we discuss the co-starting QB news, breakout players and captains, overall season expectations, and we preview the upcoming game against BYU Saturday night in Las Vegas and give our predictions to it. I am here with Patrick Carr. Um, and Patrick, how are you feeling about the start of the season? I'm so excited for college football. You know, I saw one of the coolest Alabama high videos I think I've ever seen about 30 minutes ago. I'm just ready for week one to start. We're back. To some Arizona news. And the biggest news probably of the last few weeks leading up to the beginning of the Jetfish era um, here in 2021 is that he named, uh, you know, a split QB uh, starters, co-starters to lead the team week one against BYU, which is was similar to, you know, what Kevin Sumlin did um, two years ago with, you know, Grant Cannell and uh, Khalil Tate, uh, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but uh, it sounds like he's going to start it off, you know, with one of the guys. He didn't say who yet and then take that whoever has the hot hand. I mean, what did you think about this decision? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest fan of splitting quarterbacks. I tweeted at the moment, you know, if, if it's a situation kind of like Tate and Gunnell, I understand it where if you've got a super mobile quarterback, you're just giving the defense different looks, weird looks, like the Niners are about to do with Trey Lance and Jim Garoppolo for a little bit of the season. And, you know, you've got some special packages, run packages in there for mobile quarterbacks like that. But with two guys like uh, Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer, I mean, they're just two pretty pocket pass oriented quarterbacks who can also roll out and get on the move a little bit, but it's not like they're going to have a bunch of designed runs for those guys. And the biggest, one of the biggest parts of the football game for, you know, pocket quarterbacks like that is the rhythm of the game. And it's just going to be super hard to gain a rhythm for either of them throughout any game. If they're just coming out every two series or every other series like that. So I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it, but it does sound like the staff really just wants one of those guys to grab the mantle soon and take charge and be the lone quarterback and not have to worry about this splitting series with the plumber and Cruz as the season goes on. So that's something I'll look forward to if, if either of them start out hot against BYU or a couple weeks into the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. It's going to be hard um, to see. It's going to be hard for anyone to establish their rhythm within the offense, uh, switching on and off. But the one thing I do agree with Fish and company and – what I believe is game plan. I think he wanted and thought coming into, you know, spring practice and then, you know, training camp leading up to the season, his first season at Arizona, that somebody was going to break through Gunnar Cruz, Will Plummer. They've been battling hell for months now, six plus months um, in practice. And no one's really taken a step forward. And the other, um, the other, you know, unique situation is both guys, you know, have had very limited reps in games. I mean, you know, Gunnar Cruz, as we know, started at Washington State. He was there for two years. Um, he only had one. He only had one appearance, though. Uh, only fought, completed, uh, you know, five passes, 34 yards, and one touchdown all of last season. Um, and same thing with Will Plummer. I mean, he played three games out of five last year. He he had more. He had 388 yards. Didn't complete. Didn't complete a touchdown. But the the interesting part. Um, that a lot of people are talking about. They're both from Gilbert, Arizona, in-state quarterbacks. So 
it's kind of an in-state rivalry between them. And they, they go back, um, I saw a lot of years here. So it's going to be interesting to see who takes that next step. But it, it, it is a weird, a weird situation because it doesn't seem like the, the guys are just so close together. They're similar. They play similarly. And it's, it's really tough, I feel like, for everyone because, you know, like when does this work, Patrick? You know, like when is two quarterbacks trying to lead the team at once work? Well, I mean, even a couple of years ago with Clemson, when they had Trevor Lawrence, you know, who we just saw his first overall pick and Kelly Bryant, who was a transfer from Missouri. No, he was the Clemson starting quarterback then transferred to Missouri. They tried this two QB system and, you know, didn't Trevor Lawrence took the mantle because it just wasn't working really well. And let's just be honest, those two quarterbacks are far more talented than either Gunnar Cruz or Will Plummer and a much better team around them. So you know, I personally think Gunnar Cruz is going to, take the job, you know, from all the practices I saw in the spring before, you know, I left for the summer, I thought he just performed better in practice. I think he's got a better deep ball, but you know, this also all comes down to fish and the staff, you know, fish came over from as an offensive coordinator, a QB coach, and he's going to be the play caller. So he's got to put both these guys in positions to succeed and make lives easy for them. And, you know, it's going to be on him, coach Doherty, you know, coach Carroll, you know, it's supposed to be a pretty offensive oriented head coach and staff and uh, supposed to be creative, design and schemes we're about to see here. So I think it's it's also important to mention that it's going to be on them to develop these guys. Yeah, it is. And um, I, I, after watching the players um, a lot over the past few months, I do think they're very, like, it's very tight. I don't think one player necessarily is better than the other. I think both guys will have flashes. Gunnar Cruz, to me, might have a little more upside because He's, you know, he's that bigger quarterback, he's 6'5", uh, Plummer 6'1". So I think Cruz may have a little more upside, but you never know. Um, I, the one thing that I wanted to leave uh, leave you with this on this topic is I, I don't want this to go on more than, like, two games even. Like, if this is a thing that happens throughout the whole season where they're flipping the quarterbacks in and out, that, that doesn't work. And, you know, because – it, we'll get into this a little bit later, Patrick, but it's not just about this year. It's about the next few years as they're trying mm-hmm. to build something here, you know? Yeah, I think I think Fish wants this to not last very long either. I mean, from the sounds of his press conference the other day, he was talking about if either of them starts off hot against BYU with two straight touchdown drives, you know, he's probably not going to look to keep this two-quarterback rotation going. He, he, calls, he said he called that a champagne problem, so – you know, I think if this does go further into the year than any of us expect, that just shows neither of them are really playing very well, which is a bigger issue on hand. Yeah, and um, let's move on and let's talk about, you know, two players that have taken a step forward over the last year. And within the new year, the new program, the new system, new coaches, they, there's a new tradition. It's the number one jersey being given out to two players on the team, you know, who have showed that they are leaders um, of the of the group and have taken that step forward. And those two guys this year have been Stanley Berryhill, uh, wide receiver, and Jalen Harris on the uh, defensive line. Uh, so Patrick, how, how do you think um, how do you think Barry Hill has been over the last year, and what do you expect from in the season to come? Well, I, I wrote a couple months ago just from you know observation from one of the practices. I think he's going to be one of the breakout players in the whole Pac-12 this year, and I think. You know, I think we're going to see him go for a thousand yards and maybe, maybe six touchdowns. He's going to be a tougher uh, red zone target because of his size. But you know, from the spring, from the looks at it, 
they were getting him involved a lot and they're making the emphasis just to get the ball in his hands because he's pretty electric in open space. And, you know, this wide receiver group, I think, is the strength of the Arizona team. I think they've got a lot of good guys. Joiner's hurt right now, but they've got uh, Tavion Cunningham, the freshman who I think is extremely fast and he's going to develop well. And then, of course, we've got Barry Hill, who uh, is an amazing slot receiver. And I just, I, like I said, I think he's going to be one of the breakout players this year. And, you know, a reliable slot receiver is, is extremely important for maybe quarterbacks you're not sure have it. And that's with Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer right now, with two guys that are trying to figure it out and try to figure out who the starter is. Barrios probably going to be one of their best friends because he's going to be close to the line of scrimmage a lot and with a lot of play action uh, schemes and designs, which I think Fish is going to be using. You know, I think we're going to be seeing Barrios across the middle a lot. Yeah, and I, I think he's going to be used a lot more than just a slot receiver. They're going to try to use him all over the field um, because he really is a, a, dynam- a dynamic player. And he really took a, a lot of, you know, the team last year, um, 0-5 for the season. But he was the guy who took a step forward. You know, he led the team in um, basically every category um, on the receiving end, 227 yards. He had three touchdowns in only five games. And really, you know, he just stood out. Like, you know, Jamari Joyner coming into last season was, the you know, the, the main receiver in that group. But, you know, struggled a little bit to find his footing. but. Barry Hill seemed like the guy. I do think Joyner, um, I've heard, is going to be out about three to four weeks um, as he had surgery on his uh, on his knee, I believe. Um, so he'll be out for a little bit. So it'll take guys like Barry Hill, um, Johnson, you know, some of these other some of these other younger players to step up in the first few weeks because they need that production. But um, another, the other guy that I mentioned that had the number one jersey was Jalen Harris. Jalen Harris, you know, has, he's a junior. He's actually a redshirt junior. This is going to be his fifth year, actually, at Arizona. And so it, it's really um, – he's really been a guy who came in, didn't play that much early on, and then took a step forward. And really, I think this year is going to be his breakout season. You know, last year in five games, he had 18 total tackles. He didn't record a sack, but the, the previous year he had four sacks and 25 total tackles. So I think um, he's the guy to look at on the defense. Do you agree? I agree with that. You know, I think Don Brown historically has developed, you know, players all over the field, you know, secondary linebacker, especially like at the rover position linebacker. But he's had amazing defensive lines in his past. And, you know, Jalen Harris, when you see him out there, he's just a beast of a human being. And he just looks faster than every other defensive player, too. And, you know, Don Brown being able to get his hands on that, I think is exciting to think about. And I, I could see – Harris going for 10, 11 sacks this year if really is his breakout year. And I think that's very possible because, you know, like I said, I think he's got very good potential with his traits. He's got long arms. He's fast off the edge. And now he's got an extremely competent and accomplished coach with Don Brown to just, you know, maybe finish those touches off. Yeah, he's 6'5", 250 pounds. Great build for that uh, defensive line edge rush position. And I do think he'll be – he'll play a big part – in that role, but a guy more of like a sleeper type guy who really impressed me over the last few months at practice is Stevie Rocker Jr. Uh, he's a running back. He's a freshman. He's from Tucson, Arizona, hometown kid. And he just was, the, the kid is just really fast. He gets the holes uh, at a very nice pace. And, you know, he could, he, he, he has a, a act to find that uh, end zone. I mean, have you seen anything from him? 
Well, yeah, and what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, Fish is going to be using a lot of the running backs this year in the whole running back room. So I think Steve Rockin Jr. is going to be someone will definitely be seen on third downs. And, you know, just a, a fast, dynamic running back like that, if you just get him the ball in open space, you can just see what they can do. So I think that's probably what Fish and the staff are going to look to do with him and the whole running back room. And, you know, I think we'll be seeing three to four guys per game. Yeah, and – it's, yeah, it seems like it's going to be multiple guys, you know, after Gary Brightwell leading that room previous few years, after he went to the uh, – he got drafted in the NFL uh, draft this past season. He's now with the New York Giants. But I wanted to talk about a few of the, uh, of the other captains. I mean, as we know, as I mentioned, Jalen Harris is going to be a captain along with Stanley Barry Hill, the third – they both are captains, but the other there's four more captains. Thomas Reed, the third is a red shirt senior. He's a standout on the special teams side of things. He's listed as a receiver, but he's not really that active, you know, with that group, more of a full time guy uh, on special teams. Um, but some of the other guys are Anthony Pandy, who is the real leader of the defense. He's a true senior. He's been here for so many years and he led the team in tackles um last season and yeah he really brings that energy and practices I've seen um during the games in the locker room he's just a great guy for the culture of that defense um and the last two guys are Josh McCauley he's a redshirt senior um on the uh, line the offensive line he's from Mesa Arizona so yeah um those guys all should contribute greatly this year the last guy um from that captain group is Lucas Haberstruck He's the kicker. He's a senior. And he's uh, this is going to be his third year, um, whereas he has the full-time duty of being the kickoff and field goal kicker. So any of those guys uh, stick out to you, stand out to you? I think Pandy is going to be a very important player for uh, the Wildcats this year, and especially Don Brown. Uh, you know, I just mentioned he's always had that that Rover Mike linebacker, you know, like the likes of Devin Bush, who was the 10th overall pick recently a couple years ago. And I think Don Brown is just going to be, you know, calling all the plays through him. And he's going to be his job to be the quarterback of the defense. And he's going to be after, he's going to have to cover a lot of ground on the defense, sideline to sideline, as Don Brown typically only plays two linebackers at a time. So it's going to be his job in pass coverage and run defense just to be flying all over the field. Yeah, um, Anthony Pandy is just – he's a great guy, great player, and will be a big contributor for sure at that uh, linebacker group this season. But let's move on and talk about the overall expectations for this team for this season, Patrick. You know, it's a new year, new coaches, some new players, um, and just a whole new culture. It feels like a different vibe being around the team um, as we have over the past few uh, weeks and months. And, yeah, so what, what do you think, like, what do you let, – let's start out, like, broad expectations, and then we'll get, you know, a little thinner and talk about the games. I think they're going to, you know, probably only win like four to five games this year when it comes down to it. But I don't think this year, you know, it feels weird saying this. I don't think this year is about the wins necessarily. It's more so about the plan and the direction of the program you're seeing. And if they're competitive and they show that they're a tough team and they're not bound down out of games or just get boat race like they have been the last couple of years or go on long losing streaks, you know, that's really the development you can look for. They've got an extremely tough schedule this year. And just to see how they respond to, good teams and just look like they belong on the same football field with the likes of Oregon and USC and Washington, you know, they haven't been there in a long, long time. And so I think that's 
you know, much more important than going eight and three and contending for the Pac-12 championship this year. I think that's more future years down the road and just looking like a competent program and competing against Arizona State and maybe even beating them. It's just important for recruiting and the recruiting world. And, And as Jed Fish said the other day, it's the lifeblood of your program. So, you know, they need just to show that they've got a plan on the field to start and then they can start recruiting well and then they can get the talent to compete with uh, Oregon and USC and Washington for the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, the first the first um, step of, you know, getting better is to sometimes take a step back and figure things out, get the right people in place, get the right players there. And, you know, then you could establish that, you know, culture. Um, but yeah, for this season, I kind of agree. I have them marked at around three wins. And I think anything above that to me is a success. As we know, they had zero last year. So anything really is a success for this season. It's lost 12 straight. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Bad is, is an understatement here. But yeah, their schedule isn't the toughest this year. They do have some tough road games. But yeah, like you said, it's really just I remember after some of those losses, I was at the the 77 loss against ASU last year at home, just the, the spirit just was drained of the team and the locker room. And that's just the biggest part. It's that that needs to be restored and players need to look like they're having a good time out there while maybe sometimes not winning. I mean, this weekend we'll get to it in a little bit. They're, they're a 12 and a half point underdog um, against BYU in the first game. But I mean, the way they sound, the, the spirit of the team inside the locker room, it sounds like they still have high hopes to go out there and try their best to win every game. And I think that should be the goal. They have a lot of young players. I mean, as we know, I mean, the two quarterbacks are very young, very inexperienced. Jed Fish has never he, – he's ran a team in the interim role as a head coach at UCLA, but he's never ran a team – you A know, program. From, yeah, yep. he's never a program from, you know, the start of spring practice to the season, the ins and outs every day, learning the players and and building his own coaching staff. So, I mean, we all have high hopes for him, but I mean, like some have said, and I agree, is like, you still got to go out there and prove it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he said all the right things. He's done a very good job recruiting so far in terms of bringing the excitement back and bringing, you know, a lot of the important alumni back and getting the spring game, just the whole mantra and spirit of the program since he stepped in has been positive in in all ways it can be considering the 12-game losing streak but he still hasn't won a game on the sideline for Arizona yet we need to see him do that first yeah and um let's get into that first game this Saturday night 7 30 Pacific Standard Time in Allegiant Stadium where the Las Vegas Raiders play in Las Vegas Nevada um and it should be a great um, game. I, I read yesterday that they've sold over 50, 57,000 tickets, and I believe the stadium holds a little over 65,000. So it should be a packed house, um, great environment, and I, I hope to see a lot of Wildcats there showing support for the new team. But let's get into the game. As I said, Arizona is a 12-and-a-half-point underdog on um, – not on the road, but technically, you know, neutral, neutral site. Yeah, it's a neutral yeah. site game. It's part of the, you know, the Las Vegas kickoff classic. It'll be on ESPN. Um, what do you expect to see here, um, Patrick? I think they're going to cover the 12 and a half. That's a, that's almost a two touchdown spread for a team that 
lost their starting quarterback and definitely, you know, the best part of their team last year. You know, BYU was 11-1 last year. They've got a great coach. They've got a great system and culture in place. But, you know, they've got a dual-threat quarterback, but it's one we don't really know anything about. We've got to see him prove it on the field here, too, because Zach Wilson – was really the reason why they were 11 and one last year. He just got drafted second overall. So we've seen, you know, we see that, but I think, I think it'll be a closer game than that 12 and a half. You know, I think BYU does come away with it because, you know, coach Sataki has just, just got extended even. And he's been building a very good uh, program there for a while now. And they've got good talent and their O line and D line is massive. And I think it's going to be a little overpowering for Arizona, but, you know, I think it'll probably be like a 10 point game, you know, just a small two possession game, but I don't think it's going to get out of hand too early, but you know, that's one we'll, it'll be exciting to see how Arizona responds on the national stage in a big time uh, atmosphere like this. Yeah, I expect it to go similar. I do. Twelve and a half wasn't I was kind of about what I expected because I think I do believe that Arizona is going to cover that. But for a team, you know, as inexperienced as Arizona is their past year, Arizona is returning a, a lot of like the same players a lot on the defensive side um, and the offensive, you know, receiving groups the same, basically. So it's not that uh, much of a change, but I do think it's enough for that line. But my, my, my final prediction as of right now, I think it's somewhere like 34, 20, I mean, 31, 24. That's what I'm thinking about. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. You know, I think if Arizona can actually get to 24 against a pretty solid defense in BYU with this uh, changing quarterback system or, you know, how the new look offense is going to look would be borderline successful. Uh, Don Brown's definitely going to have his hands full with a dual threat quarterback, like I mentioned, but, you know, he's been able to figure out in the past. So, you know, about 34, 24, 34, 27, something like that sounds about right. Yeah, um, it does. And let's just run through uh, some of the games after this. They they have two home games after the game against BYU, San Diego State on Saturday, September 11th at 7 p.m. Then um, uh, NAU comes to town for, uh, on Saturday, September 18th. Um, and then they go on the road to Oregon on September 25th. That rounds out the month of September. What do you think about those three games? Uh, the San Diego State one actually is going to be another really good challenge because they're a very good Mountain West program and they've been, you know, pretty competitive in that conference for a while. And they they're do decently solid against most Pac-12 teams. And, you know, the Arizona teams have passed would probably get worked by the San Diego State team. But I think that's going to be a good, you know, baseline performance to see how they look against this level of competition before they can get to Oregon. You know, NAU should should be a cakewalk. I'll say that they shouldn't have any issues with that. Going to Oregon is going to be an extremely important game for Jed Fish and just to see how he can respond and hold up on that sideline. And just if the team, you know, can look tough and look like they belong on that field with Oregon, who's got a very good roster and a good coaching staff this year and a top five pick in Kayvon Thibodeau probably. So they just need to look like they can compete in that game. Yeah. Um, so to me, I mean, if they could go like two and two in, the, in those first four, four, which is a possibility. That's, yeah, exactly. That, I think that's that, successful. That would be very, very positive. But then it, it gets a little a little see there. They have UCLA, who to me is one of the the, the biggest sleepers in the Pac-12 this year. They had a, they finished their great last year with, ED, with ETR and Chip Kelly leading the team. Uh, I think that, I think, 
think I think they're gonna get they're gonna get beat pretty good in that game. Then they go on the road to Colorado, Washington at home, and then at USC. It's a tough you know it's a tough stand. You know, Washington at home will be a fun one too. I think Washington roster is really good, and Jimmy Lake I think is a very good coach as well. And they've they've had a very good you know culture of a great defense and secondary that lasts five seven years. I think that's going to be a tough one. Uh, Colorado, I'm not really sure where that program's heading. You know, Mel Tucker was there for a year and then left. Yeah, I think they've got issues of their own too. So I think that's a winnable game. I'm a little less bullish on USC. I just don't think Chip Kelly's got it anymore. And I don't. I, I UCLA, just think his UCLA. I mean UCLA. My bad. Yeah, UCLA. I just don't think Chip Kelly's got it anymore. You know, back in the day, he would like to sit in a dark room and drop RPOs. Probably. I just don't think he has that level of uh, effort anymore. But uh, USC, I think, is going to be good. You know, Keaton Keaton Slovis is a really good quarterback. He might be a first-round pick. Clay Helton's a fine quarter uh, coach. You know, a lot of people thought he was going to get fired at the end of this year. You know, he may may should have, considering he just has USC right above mediocrity when it should be a really good program. So they'll they'll get their typical nine wins a season probably, but I think they'll handle Arizona as well. Yeah, uh, USC is going to be dominant. They could uh, win the Pac-12 this season. But Patrick, before we go, if you had to pick one thing um, this season for the Arizona Wildcats, like one surprising thing that happened, uh, what do you think it could be? Surprising? thing that happens would be just going on on the road for any of these big games like Washington State, Oregon, you know, or USC comes to Tucson. If they can just pull off one of those wins, I think is going to be a very good win for the program and also beating Arizona State at the end of the season. Those are, they need to do one and hopefully two for those, for this program to take the step up and it'll help out in recruiting so much. Yeah, and I, I think that for me, I think this team, if they just come out there and somehow they, they pull together like five wins, which I think that would be fantastic and it'd be great to bring in more recruits um, as um, in the past few weeks, they've already got two four-star recruits for 2022, which is really impressive. So um, yeah, it, it seems like this could be a great season, um, great building blocks for the future. But Patrick, this is uh, all we uh, have time for today, uh, unfortunately. But I wanted to remind everyone to watch the Arizona Wildcats versus uh, BYU this Saturday night, 7.30 in Las Vegas. Um, and follow us at Wild. Wildcat Sports um, on Twitter and keep up with all our coverage. I'll be in Vegas covering the game. Um, and be sure to check out our newsletter every Thursday, um, the, the Daily Wildcat Sports Newsletter. Um, and we'll be here every single week. Thanks. Thank you for listening. This has been the Daily Wildcat Football Podcast. Thank you to everyone involved in this project, the sports desk at the Daily Wildcat, Arizona Student Media, and you, our listeners. For more, contact or visit us online or sign up for our weekly newsletter. The Daily Wildcat online all the time at dailywildcat.com. If you're interested in working for the Daily Wildcat and are a student at UA, visit dailywildcat.com slash apply now. This has been the Daily Wildcat Football Podcast.